G'day guys, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today's episode is a conversational style interview that I did with Mark from Language Come Up back in, I think, February of this year, but it's taken me several months to get around to sharing it with you guys. That's on me. Uh, It's taken a little bit too long, I reckon, but uh, I'm finally getting around to it. Uh, I don't want to give too much of an introduction to Mark because he does do a self-introduction in the episode, and I think that you'll get the opportunity to get to know him quite well throughout the course of the episode. But what I will do is I will give a brief introduction of the kind of things that we talk about so that you get a little synopsis, synopsis of what's to come in this, uh, in this episode. And also you can go and look in the show notes of the podcast, the description of the podcast, and you'll see some timestamps associated with topics so that you get a detailed overview of what we actually talk about. But uh, Mark is studying Spanish and Russian. He spent time living in Mexico. So we do speak a lot about him learning Russian and learning Spanish and what his experience has been like living in Mexico. Uh, Another thing which we touch on is life lessons that we've learned from running because we both have a background as competitive distance runners. Life lessons that we've learned from from running that we've been able to apply to our language learning. We touch on his 40-hour, seven-day language challenge where you try to get as much input in your target language uh, during one week as you possibly can. Um, and right at the end, we have a conversation in Spanish just, you know, for a bit of fun. And look, looking back at that conversation, like my Spanish isn't great, but in the six months or so that has passed uh, from recording this episode to now recording this intro, I realize how little Spanish I have done and how much my Spanish ability has decayed. So I need to maybe uh, go back and give a bit more attention to my Spanish because it's just slowly dying on the side. Anyway, all, all of that aside, I hope that you guys thoroughly enjoy this podcast episode and let's get straight into it. Welcome everybody and welcome Mark. Thanks for coming and joining me today and having a chat. Hey, thanks for having me. So, as as usual, my plan for today is just to have a really informal chat, get to know you a little bit, so that everyone can get to know a little, including me, get to know a little bit of what you're about, what you do, what you're up to in the language learning world, and, you know, just uh, hear a little bit about your personal story. Of course, cool. I've, I've seen a few of your things up on the internet, I've seen, I've chatted with you on Twitter, I've watched some of your YouTube videos, and I think you're doing some interesting stuff, and I'm sure everyone will think the same. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, so, like I said, uh, I want to I wanna open with a very classic opening, which is, I just want to invite you to introduce yourself a little bit. You know, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? What was your linguistic environment at home? Um, and what languages do you speak now? Right. So although I consider myself an Ohioan from the state of Ohio in the U.S., I was actually born in Los Angeles, which is a thing that not many people know. It's not really out there, but I moved there back home when I was well, not back home, but where my mom is from, she's from Ohio. And um, I moved there when I was young and that's where I grew up. My mom um, is American. My dad was Mexican. So, um, but I grew up monolingually. Um, my mom says she spoke a little Spanish to me when, um, you know, I was a boy, and I would say kind of like things like pollo, you know, chicken or something like that. But you know, for all intents and purposes, I grew up to speak in one language, uh, English, and um, 
it wasn't till 2014 I moved to Mexico City. Um, it came under kind of tragic circumstances. My dad passed away and I always kind of had the idea to visit Mexico to learn Spanish, uh, to get to know my Mexican side. Uh, but I thought it was just some dream that was never going to happen. And I thought I was just going to continue following just like the, the, the rhythm of how things work, you know, university, job, apartment, just <laughs> continuing like that. But um, when that happened with my dad, it kind of like, you know, shook me up a bit and uh, I had to make some life decisions. And I said, you know what, this would be good for me. So um, I came here in 2014 and that's when my language journey started, so to speak. Um, I moved in with my uncle and he told me that I was going to be learning Spanish. And to my surprise, uh, teaching English, you know, I told him I thought that yeah, I could only speak it. I didn't know how to teach it, but then I started my whole journey into that world as well. And those two things make up a great part of my life and they are passions and things that really fulfill me to the fullest. Nice. And, and now you're learning Russian, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And when I started learning Spanish, I started getting interested in the idea of learning languages. It came about a bit slowly, but the interest was there. And um, for some reason, I just knew that Russian was going to be the, the next language. But, um, you know, I took a year of um, like this Spanish exchange program that they have at one of the universities here. And, uh, you know, I thought it was like, I thought it was so good in Spanish after this year. And uh, I decided that I was going to start taking some Russian classes. So I took maybe like three, I found a teacher. And um, basically, I realized that my Spanish was only at a certain level, and that I should concentrate on that. So um, I put that on hold until 2019. The first of the, the first day of the year I started and I've been going pretty strong ever since. Right. So you, you had kind of ideas of studying Russian actually a long time ago but you put it off mm -hmm. because, ah, I see, I didn't know that. So when was it when you first were thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start some Russian and then decided that you won't, you were going to put it off. It was like, mm, it was in 2015, but I took like three classes with a, with a teacher and all we basically did were like the Russian sounds, you know, I mean, you can't really cover yeah. much in in three lessons, but or around three lessons, but I realized that, you know what, I can't be starting another language now when I see so many gaps in my Spanish, you know? Maybe I was at a pretty decent conversation level, but you know, there's so much more to language. Yeah. Learning language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, never, you never stop, that's, that's for sure. So <clears throat> did you say, um, at the same time that you were starting those Russian lessons, there was a Spanish exchange program which you were going to go on? Yeah, um, I actually did that um, for a year. Um, it's a university here called La UNAM. It's a kind of a really well-known university in Latin America, and they have a really nice um, program for foreigners to learn. It was a really nice environment, met a lot of nice people, and I would say the program was overall quite good. Was it? Was it a Spanish language program? Or yeah, was it... it was just for foreign. It was for foreigners to learn the Spanish language, right? So it was just exactly for that. Okay, very cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, it's still my dream to study at a um at an, a university abroad and be able to immerse myself in a language that way. I I haven't I haven't been able to do it. I had it on the cards for this year. Uh, but we'll see with what's like you with your with your Russian. You're like, I want to go to Russia and I want to immerse myself in that language environment. And then COVID hits, and you're like, maybe next year, <laughs> or if you know, Absol- we'll see. Absolutely. What language did you want to do this with? Um, it was it was French, and it's always been French. But recently, I've been enjoying Chinese so much that I've also started considering doing it with Chinese. Right. I I see. I think I swear to you, uh, tweet more about Chinese than anything. So I've had the impression that that was kind of like the main language you're into now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It is the main language I'm into now, and the yeah the reason why most of my activity is kind of all about Chinese is because I'm not actively studying any other language, and I'm actually not spending even that much time with other languages like whenever i'm exposed to french it's like i'm watching something or i'm probably i don't read stuff that often but i might be watching something or listening to music or chatting with friends and that's i have i have started doing something a little bit interesting during the pandemic just briefly i'll mention Mm -hmm. this because i think you might be you might be interested in this (laughs) um because of the pandemic of course a lot of activities take place online now and have you heard of toastmasters the organization it sounds familiar but i couldn't tell you what it's about so i would okay. say no i i might as well explain it anyway because there'll be people listening all right who let yeah. me know so toastmasters is an organization which essentially has its its goal is to help you develop your public speaking and leadership skills but it's firmly re- rooted in kind of being able to deliver speeches and speak in public okay and I joined one from my university here in Melbourne and I went to a few of the free first trial events and I quickly realized that there were a lot of people who didn't have English as a first language in those sessions. Mm. And so what I did, I think it was on my third session, I said, just a quick question, who, who here speaks English as a second language? And everyone put their hand up. Oh. <laughs> so obviously I was super impressed and this gave me an idea which was to do Toastmasters and develop my public speaking skills in French. So what I oh. what I'm now doing is I'm joining a Toastmasters club from Quebec, Canada. Um wow. And so every week I'm I've done I didn't do it uh, last week because I was camping, but every week for the past kind of <laughs> period of time, I've been going to these online events with a bunch of Quebecois speaking French. So that's that's where my French is being kept alive a little bit as well. Anyway, yeah, I've got more <laughs> questions for you. You got to you, you, you <laughs> find a way to keep it alive and I'll, I'll comment on some things, you know. Um, being a teacher, you know, in high school and even in college, um, I was not a good public speaker and I mean, I'm not saying that I am one now, but it was something that I was really afraid of, you know, but um, being in front of a classroom teaching somehow magically really helped me for that because I noticed that when I had to do it um, outside of the classroom that I could do it, you know, quite well, you know, surprisingly well. 
um, if I had to do a speech for like a Spanish class, I could, or, you know, I was the best man at two weddings within the last few years. And I had to do these speeches in front of hundreds of people. And I attribute this all to my teaching because if it weren't for that, I, I would be that like <laughs> kind of super nervous uh, kid again. So that was really nice. And uh, to talk about the university thing, if you can get a chance to do that, then definitely do it. Because I was just thinking about, and I kind of forgot because I took like a year of that intensive program and then I let some time pass, maybe like, I don't know, maybe two years. And I thought, man, you know what? I think I should just um, take some of those classes again. So I kind of retook some of those classes, but then when I finished the last level again, I was really close with one of the teachers. And I said, what should I do with my Spanish? And uh, she gave me an idea that literally just basically changed my life. She said, why don't you go take classes at the university, you know, it's a really good university. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That's a great idea. Like, so I started to take linguistics classes and Spanish linguistics classes at a university. And I did that for maybe, I think it was, it was like two years, at least a year and a half, but yeah. And I think this is what really kind of like transformed everything in terms of like being a real kind of legit, I don't know, Spanish speaker being one with kind of the culture because you know or the people because you know at these um language programs you're there with a bunch of foreigners yes you meet a lot of nice people and that has its value as well but you know when i first got here i i fell into the the international circle and i, I had to get myself out of that and um this experience was so nice because a i was taking university level classes of subjects that I was really interested in meeting really nice people, having a real authentic experience. So really nice stuff. That, that's the one thing that really changed my Spanish. Yeah, because this was all in, all in Mexico. So you're at a, is that, that's correct. Yeah. So you're at a Mexican mm -hmm. university with Mexican students in Mexican classes. And exactly. that makes all the difference. I just asked, hey, you know what? I'm interested in these classes. Could I just come to class and take them? And almost every teacher said yes. And I mean, it was just an incredible experience. So, so you don't, wait, in, Mexi in Mexico, what are, are the university fees? Um, they have this thing called um, oyente, which is like, basically it would be like a listener. I mean, I guess in English it's called auditor. I mean, I never listened. I never heard that word when I was in school, but I guess the word is auditor. Yeah. No, um, so I, I you just that. show up, you just show up and um, you take part in the class and it was really, really cool. You don't get a formal certificate at the end mm -hmm. after having completed. I wasn't interested in that. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted the experience. Uh, to be among people of this country. I wanted to learn about the subjects because they're also quite interesting. And, um, you know, that became like my new main Spanish activity. I mean, that's like real immersion. <laughs> no way. So mm -hmm. how many classes did you end up doing? Or are you still doing I mean, classes? I, that no, no, I, I, no, I haven't done those for a while. But I don't know. I was doing, must have probably i don't know I, I mean i was going a fair part of the day you know at least on some days three classes and these classes were maybe can you remember like maybe an hour and a half or so something like that 
so I mean I was going five days a week and I was taking basically like a a normal size schedule but I was just soaking that all up you know yeah. so that's the dream that's the actual dream. it's really nice and I had this idea that I was going to be um you know a Spanish professor so I thought well what better than being at like one of the best universities in Latin America learning from some of the best professors um learning about linguistics and Spanish linguistics and well this is information that I can take for me uh, take with me and use one day uh, when I need to like I'll just be more prepared uh, but I've kind of changed my mind about maybe you know being a, a Spanish professor I don't know if that's the route I want to go anymore but for a time it was and um, I mean it was just amazing preparation for that you know what what do you think the the route might be now or are you just not sure? This is a big I have question. this idea. Yeah, I have this idea. And it may take maybe a question of, of decades, but I don't know. I'm thinking right now it'd be nice to open a school, even just a small one for little children to study Spanish. But I realize that's going to take capital. So I'm, I think about how can I even get to that place in the first place? So I kind of have the idea now to be a Spanish interpreter at a hospital to kind of like reestablish myself back in American society, have some kind of, um, you know, stable thing, something where I can use my languages. And this is the idea I have for now. And um, as far as my channel goes, I don't know where that's gonna go. I'm having fun doing it now, but I mean, there could be something there as well, you know? Yep. Okay, cool. Very cool. I, um, I want, so it sounds like you're pretty, pretty well established in Mexico now like you're talking about kind of even reintegrating back into America like you've been seriously yeah well obviously there was a period of time where that world was totally new to you when you first arrived in 2014 so mm -hmm. what was it like when you arrived like did you speak any how much Spanish were you able to understand how how was it did you experience culture shock Upon arriving, what was it like? Well, yeah, um, just just a, a quick comment. You know, I went to Las Vegas about a year and a half ago, and I remember flying back and you know seeing like this huge city under my eyes and going back in taxi and thinking uh, back home. So you know, it really does feel like home. This city for me feels like home. But I remember the first day when I that I got here, and that was a a beautiful experience as well just uh, knowing that this whole this whole literally adventure was just completely in front of you waiting to happen I remember being in Ohio the day before taking the plane and thinking things are really going to change and um, honestly it was like everything that I hoped it would have that it could have been um, but I didn't have anything that we could call as culture shock, maybe some small differences, but never anything that could be considered shock. So of course, Mexico and the United States are two completely different places, but at the same time, you know, um, in Mexico and the Mexican people, I mean, they have like a lot of taste in kind of just things that they like come from the US, you know? I find that the city, like people are just so crazy about music and I love it because you know, I go to these concerts, maybe I'll see one of my favorite bands, you know, obviously in English, and it's just like this communal experience. It's way better than seeing concerts in the States, by the way, because, <laughs> you know, it's like, 
it's like people with as much passion as you. I mean, I'm one of those guys that likes music or has liked music more than the average person. So I really relate to people who like music and language, you know, so. Um, but I actually adapted here quite, quite fast. And maybe it was because of like, just the straight integration from day one, you know, I remember, you know, arriving to my uncle's house and the next day, all my family was there waiting for me just to um, welcome me. And then shortly after I started taking classes um, to you know, become an English teacher, like kind of training things. So I was already starting meeting people. Then I went to this university where I was doing this uh, Spanish you know, language program. So I got, you know, like I hit the ground running, right? And maybe not so much with like, um, like, Mexican like all Mexican things all the time it was definitely like a gradual just like getting into it because like I said I mean I did fall into like the English world you know sometimes it wasn't my fault I was doing the English teacher route and then you know at the this program what will happen like what will happen in any program is that Americans will stick to the Americans the Japanese will find the Japanese and every you know every nationality yeah. basically finds each other and um it's just one of those things you gotta take care of. And even though that my main friends became a multinational group, but the, the main language was English. And for me, I wanted to make a change. And I knew that, you know, just being in this group and only in this group, it was just gonna be disastrous for what I was trying to do. And I'm still friends with those people. So it's not like I wanted to write them off as people. I'm not like that, but I knew that there needed to be some <laughs> fundamental changes of how I went about this whole thing. Yeah, I totally get that. It's yeah, it, it it's not, um, it's not even so much a social thing. It's more of a linguistic thing. You don't want to be stuck in the linguistic bubble. You know what I mean? Because that can happen. Mm -hmm. You go abroad, you go to a country where a different language is spoken, but you stay in a little microcosm of your native language, which is, it. you know, it depends what your, what your goals are. But obviously you as a language learner, you're, that's at the forefront of your mind right I mean those were at the beginning stages but I there was one thing that I knew I'm like I'm in Mexico I have to learn Spanish it would be ridiculous if I if I didn't get you know a real grasp on this I mean I'm half Mexican I would be just it would just be just so ridiculous to waste this opportunity you know it, it was this dream that I had from way long before so it was kind of like getting my feet wet and just going at it slowly but surely then eventually you know I'm the guy I am today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's 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 interesting that you're like, well, this was at the beginning stages because this is a thing. It's not like we pop out of the womb and we're like language learner. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> gotta learn languages. Yeah. So obviously, this experience wasn't just an experience for you of kind of wasn't just an experience of learning Spanish, but it also piqued your interest in language learning as an area in and of itself, which I find interesting. How did, how did it, yeah, how did it grow from, how did it grow from just being, I'm, I'm going to learn Spanish because I'm here in Mexico and I've got this side of my heritage to, I'm interested in learning more languages. Yeah, um, <clears throat> right. And it wasn't just like a cult, um, linguistic exploration was a bit of a cultural exploration too, because, you know, my dad came from Mexico and even though all my life he lived in the States, 
well, I knew that he wasn't from the States, you know, he spoke perfect English, but I always knew he was from Mexico. And uh, it was really beautiful just uh, to really live this experience. You know, my dad's no longer around, but all his family is. And, you know, they've really adopted me as, you know, just as if I had grown up here and that's been really beautiful. But um, basically it was just like little by little because even before I could uh, speak Spanish well, or just in that beginning stage, I remember finding, I just made a video about this yesterday talking about uh, Lao Shu and uh, I remember watching his videos and thinking, this is so cool, like, wow, you know? I mean, it's just, just amazing. And um, I'm like, oh man, I wanna speak Spanish. And I'm like, and I remember getting like some uh, CDs from groups that are like kind of legendary groups here in Mexico. And, you know, I wanted to kind of like, you know, since I'm such a big music fan, I wanted to start getting into some of the music that helped. Um, I got a um, Mexican girlfriend, but uh, this was a vet, yeah, this was about a year and a half right around into my, since, well, since arriving. And um, I'm gonna admit something that's kind of like a language learning sin, but like in the beginning of the relationship, um, I kind of had the tendency to speak to her in English because I wasn't so confident in my Spanish. And when you have a, like a relationship, you know, with a girl who's not from the same country, you know, you don't want to be like the bumbling idiot, right? You, nah. you want to have some kind of, you kind of want to have some finesse. You want to be cool. Um, so, uh, you know, I defaulted to English, but um, at least when I would go to her house, you know, it, when I wasn't talking with her, I was speaking Spanish because, you know, her parents didn't speak English. Her brothers could, but thankfully they just spoke to me in Spanish, right? So yeah. I did have like this initial thing and uh, I think one of the big changes for me, of course, you know, uh, just being there longer, you want to, you have more motivation to learn, but I have one really good friend in Mexico and, um, you know, we did one thing that just, I think was one of the other key things to my Spanish transformation, which was to do regular language exchanges, right? We would do 30 minutes English, 30 minutes Spanish, and um, we had this great list of topics and we would go through them and it really developed your ability um, to speak fluently. And it's really cool because, you know, I, I do classes online now and one of the most uh, popular classes, well, the most is a class I call the Road to Fluency. And it's basically like the process that I went to really get this language and be able to speak it, get it out of me. And I'm using the same questions and it's really cool that I can use them with my students now and I, they get on the road to fluency and they go through stage, you know, through the stages and um, they come out you know, speaking quite nicely. And uh, this friend is very crucial for me in my story here because he, we started speaking English um, when we met because he was actually training to be a teacher like how I was, right? But uh, he did something that was just, I, I think he's a saint for this. You know, I told him, man, we need to start speaking Spanish because look, I mean, I'm, look, look, look what I'm doing here, right? And um, it's not like it's the most, e it's not like the easiest thing in the world to find, you know, English speaking friends, although it's possible here, 
but you know, in your day-to-day life, it's probably not something you're going to come across too often. And he made this sacrifice to switch the language of communication to Spanish. Uh, and for me, that was like one of the main, main well, pivotal points in my journey as well, because um, that was like, he was and is the main person that I talked to mm. here in Mexico. So, so, you know, for me, that was a, a really beautiful gift. Sounds like a great friend. Absolutely. That's the thing. It's not easy to change once you have once you have a, a relationship established in a language. It's very difficult to change the default language of conversation, especially 100%. if you're still kind of. I don't know. I don't know what your Spanish was like at the stage when this happened. But if you're not yet at an advanced level of proficiency, you go from being able to have conversations at a certain level of complexity. So all of a sudden your conversations have to drop a little in complexity or they have to take a lot longer to cover the same ground because you need to kind of give the person the time to think through what they want to say and things like that. So yeah, that sounds like a fantastic friend. That's the, that's also the dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, these things that I, I listed, you know, uh, or basically some of the main things that um, really changed my experience as a speaker of a language abroad or someone learning a language abroad. And eventually I did just start only speaking Spanish, I would say, like with that girlfriend, right? So that was also a process too, because even for her, like it was cool to date someone that spoke a different language, but like not so much to only ever speak in that language. You know, she actually, I think got tired of it and then she just switched to Spanish and that's the only language that she spoke to me in, right? So even when I would communicate with her in English, she would always respond to me in Spanish. So that's also, you know, good help. Yeah, it's cool when that happens. So yeah, you can fall into a kind of, into a state where, for example, you might speak English because you're, you're well, this is the thing. Often when we're speaking a language, we say, oh, you know, my listening is way much better, so much better than my speaking because speaking tends to lay a kind of listening ability, but a way to kind of deal with that and have, if you have two people, a relationship between two people where they both have different native languages, but they both speak each other's languages, it's really cool how you can get the, the get let someone max out on their kind of um, speaking ability by speaking their native language and over here as well but then you're still able to understand each other because your listening ability is quite good so you have someone speaking uh-huh. Spanish to someone and English back to the other I've had I've had conversations like that which are cool <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's, it's it's been really nice because you know I I have these two dis- distinct experiences one learning a language uh in the environment of your target language, you know? Uh, I wanna say I did take classes like as, you know, Spanish as a second language, but I wasn't like a great, I wasn't like one of those like book students. I basically used those classes just to to listen and to partake, even though I didn't necessarily know it at the time, but you know, basically me just sitting there listening to the Spanish, you know, from the teacher um, really helped, you know, because there's people who's, who are always like hitting the books, the Spanish textbooks, and I didn't really worry about that too much, you know? So, 
Yeah, well, it's a question of learning style as well, you know. Well, a lot of people don't even know, like, I mean, I was just starting to learn about the whole second language learning thing. So, Mm. you know, most people don't have this interest, but they might want to learn a language. So they think, all right, well, if I go to the country, I enroll myself in a program, well, then that takes care of itself. And it can help a lot. Yeah, it definitely can. And I mean, I'd, I'd almost go as far as to say is it's, it's the foot in the door, which can lead to other things like what we've seen with you, for example, then you, right. Yeah. You, 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 you go to the, you say, oh, I'll go to the country and that'll help. And that's because you've got this intuitive kind of understanding that you go to the country that, that brings along with it a lot of things. Like you end up meeting people, you end up having friends who you can, with whom you can speak in the language, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I knew that my life was going to change. It wasn't necessarily about Spanish itself. You know, I thought that it would be cool if I came out of it like bilingual, but it was more um, going from like a really dark experience and a very kind of down place, like basically the worst time of my life to the complete opposite, you know, just me in a way getting a second chance at life again and you know that's why like I take language this the whole language thing so seriously because you know I I see what it did for me on so many on on so so many levels you know um in a way back home in the states I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do I I had a major that I didn't think I wanted to really pursue as a is a career when it was political science, by the way. Um, so I kind of discovered myself, the man I want to be, the life I want to have, how I want my life to be. And I learned all this here in Mexico and Spanish was such a crucial part of that because in most cases, in a lot of important, important situations and just it was taking place through this language and for me, you know, I like to joke and say that the monolingual life is just something that can never be with me ever again, because I can't go back to a monolingual life. And um, when you have a language that's so um, part of your, <laughs> I was going to say DNA in a way, but it's like <laughs> what, a part of your soul more, it's like a part of your soul, you know, that that could never cease to exist anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because it's yeah, such a part exactly of you. exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. This is um. This is gonna this is gonna sound like it's off topic, but it's gonna end up exactly on topic because this popped into my my mind as you as you were speaking. Um, when I tell people I'm studying Chinese, sometimes their response is, "Oh, what are you gonna use that for?" Mm-hmm. And my my kind of quip response is is developing into what do you use english for and i think that just that's just the essence of it isn't it Uh, Mm. you end up living through a language it's not like any other discipline where it's like you learn how to be an engineer and then you use it in your professional workplace of course you learn any skill it kind of seeps into other things and it develops you personally etc but language is a thing which is innately human and allows you to create a whole life you live everything through language 
and what Absolutely. you did yeah you went over to mexico and what you did is i think what you did is possibly one of the best ways you can kind of create a relationship with a language where you build 100%. such yeah builds this such a strong connection with the language i mean these almost these almost sound like platitudes because this is what we hear all the time you want to not just study the language or connect with the language but they're nevertheless so true when you live so Absolutely. many experiences through the language and have so many relationships with the language that's what makes that's what makes your interests and desire to keep interacting with it durable and that's when you end up at insane of levels of proficiency over the long term yeah and i mean <laughs> one of like the like one of the just like the criteria that i have in my mind of where i could relocate like basically has to do with is it a diverse place culturally because where i'm from in ohio it's like oh i mean it's not it's not the most diverse place culturally in the world i mean I mean, my dad probably was like the only one who, I mean, one of the few people in, in my, in my, in my city who didn't have English as a native language. And he, like, I heard him speak Spanish maybe like a handful of times in my life. So, you know, it's not like I, I grew up around this. Um, here's a, here's an interesting thing, you know, my mom will, all my mom always, my mom always said, Oh, I wanted you kids to be bilingual. I I tried to speak to you in Spanish, but I mean, your dad just you know spoke English and and things like that. You could have been bilingual. And my Mexican family told me, oh, uh, it was like a shame your dad didn't raise you uh, with this language. And I I think it's the complete opposite because to have this experience from only speaking one language literally was just earth shattering, beautiful, and in in life changing that had I came had I come here speaking Spanish my experience would have been completely different but I'm not I really don't think it would have been as big so just the the idea of coming here you know just knowing basic Spanish like from the school from school high school and college which no one really speaks Spanish after an experience like that you know yeah to have this like transformation for me just like with anything in life it's it's not about the results and i mean it is about the results but it's more about the process and here's one thing that you and i really share that i mean probably not going to relate to with many other people about like these two things like my three passions that my three passions that i've had in my life running music and language and you know i was a serious runner i know like you were too so um, it's all very interesting. It's, you know, you understand the beauty of uh, of putting the work in daily. You understand the beauty of the process, not so much the result. Of course, you want the results, but you know that it's all about the process. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. And I, I, I find that really interesting as well. You don't. You don't regret being raised monolingual because no. it, it allowed you to have the experience as an adult of going to your kind of heritage country and learning it all and being exposed to that world at a, a critical kind of period, a critical boat, boat period. Critical. For me, it's, it's one of the greatest gifts of my life, you know? 
um, maybe the greatest kit in my life. Well, let's say, I mean, besides having just a, a completely amazing, wonderful father, you know, something for me that makes me really emotional and grateful was the fact that my uncle, his brother, like took me in and gave me this direction. And, you know, with, without that, God knows where I'd be. And um, I feel grateful because, you know, I, I had this, this, this new life, a life that I could be happy with um, after such a, you know, a tragedy. And um, I, I try to live a good life, you know, I try, I try to be my best self. It's a process and I'm, you know, it's something that I work with every single day, but um, I was given a chance, you know, to give you like a, a running metaphor. Um, I consider this whole thing like to have a father, to have children. It's it's like, you know, your father, your family, however you want to put it, try to get you in the best possible possible position in a race to give you the baton so you can have a, the best chance to succeed, you know? And I feel that my dad filled me with these things that I that I need. He passed me the baton and then uh, now I have it, you know? Now I have to do the next, and then I have to do it again for the next generation, my son or whoever is in my care, you know? That's, that's beautiful, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's, yeah, wow. Wow. But that wouldn't have been possible if I didn't get a little help from my uncle. So it's, it's, it was a really special thing. Yeah. I mean, for you, it really sounds like your language learning experience is like, it, it's, it's, it's so intertwined with your personal journey that it's just, yeah. it's inseparable, which, right. yeah. So, I mean, in my, in my twenties, I used to think, man, it's, it's really cool. These people that found uh and kind of what they want to do for the rest of their life. I was fortunate enough to find a passion in my teens and to really pursue it. And, you know, I took it respectably far. You know, I was a, a D1 runner. I mean, do you know D1? Division one. Uh-huh. I don't know if they have some kind of different standards there, but um, I mean, I, I wasn't, I was, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but I was definitely a respectable what, guy. What did you run? And, um, I did track, but I was always more of like a, a cross guy. I love cross, cross country, guy. you know, Yeah. Uh, that was really my, my, my thing. I loved it. Just distance running in general. I thought that I was going to be a marathoner, uh, after, oh. after my, uh, collegiate running career, but I had to make a decision. What do I do? You know, I started writing at the time poetry and I thought the lyrics were quite good. And, um, I said, well, I can continue with this running thing or I could uh, follow this path, learn the guitar and do all that. And that's what I did. I was at a point where I, um, I achieved something that was you know, quite nice. Um, a long story short, I, um, I wanted to run for this university. Um, my first year of college, they had their team kind of already determined. There was a, there was a cross country coach and there was a, a track coach, but the track coach was like, had all the power. But the cross country coach, I knew that he could kind of relate to me because this team was formed of 
formed of um, guys who were more or less as good as me, maybe a little better. In some cases, maybe I was better, like from a high school perspective, but I knew that they were all blue collar guys like me. They weren't like straight studs from high school, state champions. These guys were respectable guys, but guys that, you know, were really working for it. And I really related kind of how I was as a runner to these guys. And uh, I really wanted to be a part of this team. So the cross coach told me that, um, you know, come along, train with the guys and, uh, I'm sure next year some spots will open up and if you make it, you make it. So I did. But for some reason, the the, the track coach, I don't know, he apparently he thought that I, I don't know, wasn't good enough to run for the team or whatever or, or whatever. He basically didn't allow me to, to come to practice anymore. And that broke my heart because, you know, I saw like my dream slipping away, but I don't give up so easily. So I trained all by myself that year. I came back and um, I got on the team. I was the newcomer of the year. Uh, two years later, I was the number one runner on that team, you know? So that two years later, I was the number one runner on that team. And I remember having a moment where I was, it was at the Ohio State uh, Championship meets. And I, that was my first race where I was number one for my, for my university. And I remember how surreal it was because I saw like, I saw literally nine years of dedication come together in one moment. You know, I started running when I was 13 and I had this moment at 22. I just walked off and like kind of kneeled or just sat down and thought, wow, look what I did. You know, and um, I kind of keep that same mentality about, about everything. Um, I think life and running, you could say language learning, but you know, for me, running taught me about life, um, every aspect. It taught me, you know, you have to try really hard and work really hard. You're going to have setbacks. Things are not going to go exactly how you want them to go. You have to get over that and keep on going. And one day you'll have your day, you know. And um, it kind of, I was reminded about that recently because I've been recording um, monthly Russian progress videos and uh, 30 minute recordings of my of my conversations and my speaking sessions you know and I just did the one for two years and you you know I had this moment in mind for quite some time I'm like oh here's my two-year thing you know I want to show how cool like how cool I speak Russian how good I am or not I mean not how good I am but like my what I can do I know my limitations at the how moment how far you've come you're like this was gonna how be far the, I've come I've hit my two years look at where I've made it to yep right but I've been doing like a a speaking session with a different person like every I, I month like i know where this is going exactly and uh let's just say it wasn't what i planned what i hoped it would be um like i said um i think i battled it out but it wasn't like the uh, the glory road that i was hoping that it would be just to be like oh yes this is this was uh, my two-year video look how it went you know because actually some previous videos were pretty good and if those were my two-year videos, and maybe it would have been like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, how, look how it turned out. But um, it actually inspired me because I was reminded of the whole setback thing, you know, like how we experience as runners. And, you know, the only answer to that is to keep on going and you'll have your day. Yeah, definitely. That's, I've always felt the same way about running. I don't, it's not even, 
it's not even like you consciously are thinking about these things. Oh, you have setbacks, you just keep on going. It's because I suppose at a certain at a certain level everyone understands these things because they're almost common sense because they're they're built in our kind of idioms. Get up one more time than you fall down, all of these things. It's part of our language, it's part of our kind of collective way of thinking and the wisdom we have but the thing is the way from actually living it through something like running where you're forced to you're forced to rock up to training every day if you miss a bit of training it shows itself later on the track when you're running just by living it and living these pure kind of fundamental principles kind of enacting them in something which is so fundamental but so powerful it built that builds itself into your intuition in a way which is almost in just i can't articulate it but later on when you're going and coming to new disciplines that that kind of fundamental wisdom has been integrated into your kind of operating manual so like when you go to then go right. study a language you're like so you're all right exactly it's like all right what's the plan where where what's what what's the training session plan when am i going to do the training mm -hmm. sessions when's the race exactly and then when things don't go your way you're like all right is there something i could have done better in training what's going on you kind of you know what i mean it it just becomes a part of you of course. definitely yeah to re to analyze your study methods when you think it's right to switch out something uh, you know, replace it with something. Um, that's also like an interesting thing that um, I know I've wanted to make a video about, um, but I haven't like clarified all my thoughts, but the general idea is like, as a language learner, you have to know when to call it a day with something, you know, and maybe not necessarily do something just for the sake of it, you know, like I, I used a podcast, um, a Russian podcast and I use it for quite a bit, but it's like a reoccurring thing. They do it every, they do it every week. But just because I have this really nice resource there doesn't mean that's like, I need to follow that like to the end, however long that may be. You know, I think I've gotten a lot of use out of it and, you know, maybe some of it's like lost its charm a bit and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to blindly keep doing the same thing just because there's another episode coming out and that's what you've been doing. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Exactly. So what what are you doing now? Like at this very point in time. Right. Specifically um, in terms of language learning. Um I'm I'm at this weird stage where I'm trying to reinstill these these habits, at least with Russian that I had uh through a large part of last year, right? The end of last year and the beginning of this year, you know, you kind of become more lenient in some aspects and you've got these festive dates and such and um, maybe you let yourself slide a bit. And basically I'm just trying to get back to where I was. You know, I have this kind of idea of what I want to do as far as my studies are concerned. And uh, I'm just basically little by little chopping back <laughs> at it, trying to build these things up and uh, you know, I want to do a good amount of study or language work this year. And uh, I'm basically trying to put myself in a position where I can, you know, do all those things. Right? Yeah, because I was um, 
was watching a video of yours and you were saying you were doing quite a few hours last year and now mm. it's kind of you're still doing a couple of hours but you're like of active study you're like it could be three instead of two and then you just feel like you're progressing that little bit faster i think you said right, right. three hours of russian and one hour of spanish would have been if that would if that could happen that would be like ideal this year is that what you that what you were thinking yeah yeah that's that would be like exactly ideal for me three hours of russian one hour of spanish but um to kind of build that russian thing back in place my spanish is is taking the hits and uh, when I build that Russian <laughs> back up, I can incorporate the Spanish. Um, towards the second part of the year, I was about at the hour a day mark. And for me, that's, a, I think, all I need right now because uh, I'm actively learning Russian as like the main thing. You know, I have to really get that language in me. So uh, that's why the differential is, is quite like that. And um, yeah, for me, that would be ideal, you know. Maybe um, last year I was doing two hours active, one hour passive, something like that, which I think is a nice amount over <laughs> a period of time. Like, that's nice. I mean, I know some people think you got to study like a million hours a day, but for me, it's like I've got language learning is my main passion, but I mean, there's other areas of my life I'm trying to improve at. Yeah. <laughs> Proving too, you know what uh, I mean? So. And if you put, if you spent more hours studying language learning, it'd be detrimental. You know what I mean? It would have Absolutely. a net negative effect, not just on language 100%. learning. 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's the, I was that's telling the, my friend just that, like, I wouldn't really even want to study more than, much more than three hours a day, you know, because it's like, you got other things too. Yeah. And then you, and then it starts kind of eating at the passion a little and you start feeling. And I don't want that. Yeah, you don't want that. You want to maintain that passion over the long term and you got to be careful you got to kind of nurture the flame it's a fine line exactly you'll adjust the right amount you know what i mean i agree (laughs) that i have that i have that in mind as well you know because as a distance runner i think well it's a distance game not a sprint you know yeah well that's exactly it you don't want you don't want to burn out like you don't want to get overtrained the same thing happens right. i mean in running it's maybe a little bit more kind of innately physical but for the people listening who aren't runners what can happen with running is you actually overtrain and there are like two kind of instances of that like one's acute like you're in a training session for that week you've worked too hard you've done too many hard sessions you've been on the track too many times you've been running in spikes with the shoes which put a lot of kind of pressure on places and maybe in one session you get kind of acute, an, an acute instance of overtraining where you're like, you get injured. But then there's overtraining over the long term, which is you've trained too hard, you haven't given yourself enough breaks, and it can result in kind of psychological fatigue where you just completely lose the passion and you don't want to run anymore. And then also like physical lethargy where you just, you all of a sudden you just, it, this actually happens. Like you've been running really well, but you've just never given yourself a break. And then all of a sudden, your performance starts declining because your body's just like had it. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. So we're we're carefully watching out for that now. Language learning. Yeah, I mean, because it would be nice to say, oh yeah, I want to study this language eight hours a day. Uh, for most people, it's not feasible. But um, even if it were, you would have to keep in mind this aspect, which is again not talked about so much. Yeah, I actually. 
I actually never want language learning to be my main activity in my life. Really? What would be your main activity now? University. Mm. Um, well, see, I, I should I shouldn't say never, but the 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 reason that idea came to mind is because my the the way I learned to study languages was my language learning strategy is kind of, was kind of born out of the environment in which I first started learning languages, which is while I was insanely busy at school during my final couple of years and doing my running and trying to graduate with a really high sco- score in my high school diploma, that kind of thing. So the way I've kind of learned to study languages came was born out of that environment. So there's also an element of that. Maybe I don't know how to study languages effectively full time. But also, for kind of these reasons of burnout, I really like the idea of being able to study a language for an hour or a couple of hours a day and then just have all this other stuff which I'm also doing. I almost feel like if I was doing... I can have periods of time where I'm doing more, like on holidays, and I can like do a lot. But mm-hmm. in kind of over the long term, I don't mind the idea of always having a major project, but still every time I'm commuting on public transport, I'm listening to doing some passive exposure. And then every time in the morning, maybe I'm like doing 30 minutes or an hour, but I'm never doing eight hours a day unless Mm. it's like holidays, I'm in the country or it's a specific period of time where I'm doing that, like your 40 hours i was just gonna throw that in there what a what a perfect uh segue what a, i want to i want to i want to hear about that and i also i've watched your youtube video explaining it but i think it's something which is a really cool idea it's really interesting and i think other people people who are listening to this and haven't heard of this mark has what what you call your 40 hour, seven day learning challenge. And I think it's an idea worth sharing. Language. Sorry, language challenge. <laughs> I've missed, I've Joking. mislabeled your, your, uh, please. Your baby. I'm very I'm serious sorry. about this stuff. Come on. <laughs> this is my baby. I, I worked out the hashtag. I put the, the capitals and everything made it right. So yeah, okay. please get it right. Trust them. You've, I've Help been corrected. I've been corrected. All right. So <laughs> tell us about it your language challenge man all right so this is basically it uh when i started learning russian right at the beginning of 2019 i told myself mark learn russian for a year and a half and at the end of that year and a half reward yourself with a trip to russia right and the idea would be that i would stay there like a month and i would just go hardcore with my russian studies you know try to get as you know, much benefit out of that time as essentially humanly possible. But, um, you know, uh, last year the apocalypse struck, so uh, that wasn't quite (laughs) possible. But I had this idea of, all right, well, it's clear that I'm not going to be going to Russia this year. Um, I've been taking, like, vacations that last only a week long because, you know, I do like my job and you know, so for me, I don't feel like I need to be away from it um, long periods of time, but what if I study my language full time or just be with my language full time, you know, it's like 
creating a true it's i mean the idea was almost like yeah basically like living in an apartment in moscow you can recreate that you know i live in an apartment in mexico city but for one week i turned it into a an apartment in, in moscow and man it's like it's just such an amazing experience you know because it's the second best thing to actually having having that and um i'm not going to say it's the best thing although you could make the argument for that you can actually get uh more language you know time doing this than being in the country yeah but uh you know i think of course you know emotional connection meeting the people and being with them is very 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 important and uh, but anyway, if you can't do that, I think this is the second best thing you can do. 40 hour, seven day language challenge. And um, you can choose to do with that time as you see fit, you know? So my only main idea was to have as many hours of active uh, language time as possible. So I think I did maybe you know, I think like six days of the week, I did 30 hours of passive listening just because, you know, I was washing the dishes, doing a little cleaning, all that. And then I think the last day I had like an hour and a half. But, you know, for other, other than that, it was just like, just me focused with the language, spending real quality time with the language. And, um, you know, I had speaking sessions practically every day. I was getting the time to explore albums listen to this music watch series movies um just really connecting with the language and uh it really does feel like a vacation um and i would really love to, to do it again sometime very soon yeah only people um in this community would be like 40 hours of language exposure just feels like a vacation man yeah it felt, it felt like a vacation <laughs> in my apartment in moscow like my yeah. airbnb in moscow or something yeah, you know? yeah 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 but I, I i like the idea it's like you decide this week i'm gonna find the time to get as as much of 40 hours of active time as possible and i'll top the rest up with kind of passive exposure it's just like you go yeah one i mean week, i'm gonna one week i'm gonna just go ham and set aside that the opportunity for that to happen yeah it's more like make the time because yeah you know, i i do more than 30 hours a week of, of of teaching so i mean i had to take that equation out and just uh once i had that bit of time well then it was just a matter of doing what i needed to do and um you could do it yeah because otherwise it's like it's so easy in our lives to just keep on being busy all the time I suppose this the challenge forces you to go, okay, this week I'm going to make the time, set aside the time to do something special. Yeah, and it's got like a, a bit of a cult following on the internet. I would like to see it get a little bit bigger because it's just something that's, I don't know, really, really cool. And I know I just get so much joy out of it. And um, I'm going to have to try there. it at some point. I'll have to try it and share my experience with you. I'll have a think well, about when. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to plan it. That's the thing. You have to make sure you have that time because if you have the time and you know you're going to, you know, have that availability, it's not the hardest thing in the world to get uh, the hours, but you got to make sure that time's kind of like, you know, auctioned off. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny that we segued onto this after talking about not wanting to burn out and do too much a day. 
but I, I suppose the key thing is, is this is a kind of, first of all, it's novel in the sense that it, it's mm-hmm. the fact that it's exciting and something new, which you only do every now and then gives extra kind of an extra injection of motivation for that week. Of course. And um, I almost feel like, I almost feel like it's kind of almost, even though you're doing so much in a short, short period of time, it's almost like an anti-burnout activity because <laughs> you have this one, one kind of sprint period where you get the opportunity to kind of satisfy that urge of working really hard for a period of time, feeling like you're making a lot of progress. Um, but then also you're not constantly having the foot on the pedal and doing that all the time. You kind of Afterwards, did you find at the end you were a little bit like, I need this back off a little or what was it like um not necessarily because of the time but i i would tell you my 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 fatal flaw as a language learner is when i like i experience like this like something that i know to be like really good like a really good achievement i have a tendency just to like all right well, let me just take it easy a couple of days you know as opposed to just jumping right back into it so if i you know it was more so for that as opposed to you know, me needing to take some kind of time just due to the volume that I did. Right. You're like, okay, I get that. I get that. It's like just the, like, yeah. it's sulking your victory, you know, just to yeah. enjoy it for a bit. But if you want to, if you want to really reach mastery, you got to be like, you'll see the elite sports, elite sports people, you know, they'll win, Nadal will win the French Open and the next day you'll see him on the courts in the morning. He'll be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. That, yeah. And that's that's why they win the championships. Mm-hmm. So I suppose we we can keep that mentality with our uh, with our language learning and we'll go far. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm not perfect but um, oh well. <laughs> nah, we, we I haven't done any I haven't done any language learning for well this, I haven't done any active language learning for um, a couple of days, but this is a cool mm-hmm. thing. If you if you're if you make the languages a part of your life, it's almost impossible not to do something. For example, when I say I haven't been doing anything, well, I've been texting people in the language. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? But of course, I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I I did this video talking about how passively passive listening was saving my language learning. And you know, if I can't get active time of reading or, or listening or watching something and paying attention or you know whatever it may be, I know I can listen to my target language when I'm washing the dishes, when I go to the store, you know whatever it may be. So um, that kind of also makes it so I, I don't feel like overly bad, you know. Yeah. That now I'm getting that language in. So when you're actually sitting down and doing active study. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. This is the thing. We often talk at a kind of abstracted away level, but for, let's go from the macro to the micro. You've just sat down and you just, let's say you want to study Russian. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you do? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's talking about what I did through time, but basically it's like, um, you know, I try to do some more, I try to do a nice mix of comprehensible things with things that are above my level or listening to things of all kind of um, uh, 
level like levels like I can listen to things that are like maybe meant for an A2 student do things meant for an A2 student or try to push myself something that's kind of more native style content you know um, I've always been more of like a com kind of comprehensible input kind of guy but in, well last year I I do I started adding like elements of like I guess what's called like the like the whole I don't know immersion movement but um, I never got on like full with that but I mean I I just adapted to how I like it as a language learning. I just like literally do it how I like it, you know? Mm. Like what I mean by that, the one thing that I do do that is more kind of like lends to the whole immersion camp or whatever is that I will spend time, let's say five days a week, um, spending a certain amount of time of watching something um, and really paying attention, something like native, like, you know, TV series without subtitles. But, um, you know, just to really develop that listening and get it going. But um, I'm more likely to use <clears throat> the rest of that time um, that I have to dedicate to language learning for more uh, comprehensible stuff. So it's really like this fine mix of, of, of you know, doing this comprehensible thing, building myself up, and then doing like these sprinkles of uh, this immersion style, right? Well, see, this is interesting because even in the language learning community, there are sort of, uh, I don't want to say camps because it's not like there's division, but there are different no, kind of It kind of is. I feel that way. <laughs> I feel that way. Like, and um, that's, I've always been so careful about like speaking about this immersion thing because like my language, like, sure, I, I take a bit from everyone, but I'm not like, I'm not like in a camp, you know what I mean? So I, I like, <laughs> I typically haven't even liked to use that word because I don't want to be thrown into a camp. But, you know, if I'm going to explain what my learning style is, it would be like mainly like comprehensible input with like, with like outer edges of this kind of immersion kind of ideas, you know? Okay. See, that's interesting because so, so, see, it sounds like you're not even, it sounds like you're, comple you're completely structuring and leading your own learning where uh, plenty of people get a formal research resource and they work their way through it and a lot of them are very grammar focused for example but have you ever worked through a formal language textbook um, like outside of um, when you're when you're learning autodidactically when you're on yeah. your own not in a classroom with you... russian no you know i did a video of um me showing my progress after a year and a half of learning Russian, but uh, without grammar. And, you know, that video I actually was proud of, you know, how like I wanted my two year video to be, that was like, like, wow, look at me. Like, I was so happy with what I could do. Like, for example, in that video. Um, but um, I am thinking about, you know, I, I want to start adding a little bit more like, um, like gram <clears throat> grammar, knowledge, grammar knowledge to the table and all that. But up until now, I really haven't, done it you know so um so i i've i've done like let's say i've worked through asking like asking all the book or like you know uh then like teach yourself you? and like link yes but i don't consider that like traditional language learning because it's not mm. exercises it's it's dialogue mm -hmm. and an audio so you know I, I built myself up like that right yeah well this that's why i'm curious and i'm kind of asking about this because I also kind of 
like getting a lot of comprehensible input, but you can't, it's very difficult to just kind of start with that. You need some sort of leg up to launch yourself to the level where you can then just give yourself a lot of input and let your brain process and identify patterns. You need kind of an entry key to open the door. And once the door's open, you can go, all right, I'm going to run around in here. <laughs> right. But if you haven't got the key, you're just like body slamming the door for a while and eventually you'll <laughs> break it down. But I feel like it's not the most efficient way of entering. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you'll, you'll find something which is some form of input, something you're to read, watch or listen to, and you'll do active study and intensive kind of processing of that language. Mm-hmm. That's that's what is is that form the body of your kind of study sessions? Yes, these comprehensive type things, it forms the body. I would say maybe like, all right, if we're not counting passive listening, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I would say maybe it's like seventy five percent these kind of things, then twenty five percent, these kind of like immersion style thing, right? Um, and um, right now, you know, you can make things that are more natural. Uh, more comprehensive you know for example like one of the things i really want to do this year because you know russian literature i mean is really hard and of course like um nonfiction would, would be better but one thing that i'm really interested to do this year is just to take like scripts or you know um of well not not well just like the text from tv series and just and just read those you know and mm. do a kind of simultaneous thing of like reading then listening and trying to like just boost that comprehensibility um and for those kind of things you know, i use something like link it helps or um it's a way to make something harder yeah. not so hard you know yeah. yeah 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 you can punch above your weight if you have the mm. right resources yeah 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 link Absolutely. is good for that i haven't used it much but i have used it and it's, I have, it's right. not like I haven't used it much because I don't want to use it. It's just I've hasn't kind of the time hasn't never has never been kind of I've just never fallen into it yet. I feel like I will and it'll become a resource right. I use more and more. It's just, for example, at the moment, what I'm doing with Chinese at university is there's a textbook series that we're working through. So it just makes sense for me to because I'm doing Chinese at university through a diploma. So it makes sense for me to follow there. Cause, cause at the beginner level, anything works in, in, in my opinion, to kind of open the door mm-hmm. and get that foundation. I think like the biggest sin in language learning is not using the wrong method. It's just not doing anything. <laughs> I feel like if you're doing right. something and you're moving, it's it, that's almost 80% of the way there. <laughs> One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and um, you know, when I was starting with this uh, whole Russian thing, I kind of um, I didn't set like so like these huge goals in terms of what I wanted to study. Um, my 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 main goal, basically, for the first say five months or so of my Russian, was literally just to what was it, it was like to do. 25 minutes of uh, the Asimov book a day, basically until I, I finished that, you know, I mean, I could do other activities, but that was like, that's what I really needed to do every day. And 
what it did is it formed that habits. And I mean, since I, I did that, I mean, it's just such an inculcated thing into my, in my life, you know, it's just one of those things that I have to do. I, I genuinely feel like that's the best way to start. Pick a beginner resource, start to finish, build the habit of actually studying the language. Of course. And you don't even have to do it how they instruct you to do it. Exactly. Because, you know, um, you know I, I got interested in the, in the, Luca, the Luca method like at the beginning of it. And basically, it seemed like a very effective method, but um, I mean, you have to repeat a bit. And I don't know, for me, I'm just like, you know what? I just, <laughs> I'm just gonna do 25 minutes of this and I'm just gonna go through the book. Like, I think I did like, I would do a lesson a day. And um, let's say that it took me like a 15 minutes to uh, do the lesson, to get through it. And I, I approached it from different angles. But after I did that lesson, I spent, let's say, the next 10 minutes just reviewing and listening to the lessons I previously did. And I basically just did a lesson a day. You know, I did those basically um, five days a week. And then on Saturday, I was going to a, like a Russian conversation group, which I really had no business to be in it. But I just, I just went there to be a part of uh, where the language was spoken and uh, just listened, basically. and. Um, Sundays was kind of like my cultural day where I would watch a, a movie or something like that. Yeah. And um, that was, that was my beginning routine for the first five or so months. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. It takes time, five months in kind of, if you're being, if you're serious about language learning and you're learning a language and it's a lot, it's a lifetime of learning that language. Five months is like build a foundation. And of course, yeah. Step one. Step one, you know, get the concrete <laughs> foundation in and then the house won't fall down in five years when you haven't built. You know what I mean? Go slow at the beginning to go go further in a more durable way over the long term. Of course, at least to have the potential to do so, you know. Yeah, well, if I, I'll, if... I'll be watching. I'll be eagerly <laughs> following your progress and your journey. Right. So it's like if I studied an hour a day, this is funny, you know, like if I studied an hour a day of anything throughout my life, like that would be like quite a bit for me. And now when I study like one hour, it feels like I didn't do much, but I know that, you know, if, if my, my bad days are around an hour, I don't consider it too bad. <laughs> you know, I, I do try to reach for a bit more, but at the same time, I'm trying to keep things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. An hour, an hour a day goes a long way. Absolutely. It all adds up. So, I mean, speaking of long-term, what, what, speaking of the long-term, what are you thinking is on the horizon? More languages? Um, I would, I would, I would like to think so. I would like to, I mean, I would like to think so, but, um, um, I had the idea of learning Russian permeating for years, you know? So for me, it was very clear that I wanted to do that right now. There isn't like, oh, necessarily if I, if I were to just tell you what would be the language I would study, I would kind of tell you it would be. Um, Mandarin, because I like the idea of learning languages from a different language family. I am interested in China. 
think it would be cool, you know. Um, but at the same time, these things need to develop organically. And maybe that will come about organically, but I can't tell you about what the next language, <laughs> the next language would be for sure. When I was studying just Spanish, I knew without a shadow of a doubt it was going to be Russian. So I'm still so engulfed in this whole Russian thing. Why, and actually? I, mm, well, I used to say that, I used to kind of just throw it off and say that basically it was because, you know, I had a friend from Ukraine and a friend from um, Russia in college and they would speak together. And that's the first time I really heard it. And maybe that's where somehow subconsciously my interest was peaked. Um, but, you know, I think it's, first of all, a beautiful sounding language. Um, I love the mixture of ha, soft and hard sounds that just flows within that language just like that. I think Russia is an interesting place. Um, it's one of those places in a way like uh, Mexico where people think that they know what it's like or what the people are like, but they really, they really don't know. And um, it's also nice to have this like uncovering of what it really is, not just like what you've been told it is. And you know, of course there's yeah. that, the only thing that people really know about Russia, if you're American is just like the whole, Soviet Union thing and then later Putin but that's just about it so yeah it's nice to get into these these things that people don't really know about and um, discover it for yourself and you know about you know what it's about you know so it's mm -hmm. like if people want to talk to me about Mexico or and what Mexicans are like like I would have to give it to them very fast because like if they're getting out of the line it's just like you don't even know so why are you talking um and Russia to an extent, I feel, you know, it's just like this entity that exists and at least from uh, a Western perspective, an American perspective, even European or Australian, I assume. It's just like this big entity and it's very mysterious, but you don't know so much about it. You kind of have an idea, it has this mystique, but um, so these are some general ideas, but now that I, you know, I do teach online and I've had a lot of Russian students and yeah, they're just generally really great people. And this this just takes your wants to learn this language to a whole new level, you know, your desire because you've come in contact with the people. And even if it's in a different language, you know, deep down, these are good people and you want to speak to them in their language one day too. So these yeah. also these things also help. Yeah. And Sometimes it's a little hard to even kind of linearize your thoughts and lay it out like that. This is why, this is why. All of the things that you just kind of talk to sit in your mind intuitively and you're like, I think Russian's the next one. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like if, you're, if someone forces you to kind of think about it, you can maybe like put together some of the reasons, but really it just sits there and you just have a feeling sometimes. Right. And... You know, I think in a way this has helped my long-term motivation. You know, I think that's the whole setting a, a small goal to study a specific time a day throughout the week was really was really beneficial for me, extremely. But also me sitting with the idea that this is something that I would like to do well before I did it, I think also gave way to um, my success or whatever little bit of success I've had so far, my ability to maintain motivation. Um, it was just a nice little touch. I'm not saying it's 100% necessary, but I definitely recognize how that might have its uh, 
important stuff. Yeah. And the, and the other thing you were saying about being out, talking about kind of a place having a mystique, but you learn the language and you, you get a look, you get a different, you get a backdoor access or a more natural native authentic access to that world. And I totally, I totally agree with that. I've been finding that with Chinese, for example, kind of the language, the language barrier kind of can create that mystique because you're the only way you can view that world is via your own linguistic environment. But all of a sudden, for example, with me, all of a sudden, if my Chinese is getting better, I'm able to talk with the people from that place and form one-on-one relationships with the people from that place, no kind of filter. But then also I'm on like Chinese TikTok watching the videos which are there. I'm on Chinese, you know what I mean? So all of those things, the same with any language, Russian, for example. Oh, absolutely. And right now is a really interesting time because, um, you know, I'm trying to watch a bit of the news that's going on, try to keep up with what's happening. Basically, there's this guy who uh, is, is Putin's opposition and um, there's like this whole thing going on about what's going to happen like with this guy. Apparently, it seemed like he was he was poisoned and he blamed the Kremlin and then, you know, he survived this this assassination attempt and then he went to Germany and then he flew back to Russia where he was immediately arrested and now they're having all these kind of protests like it's just like you know I think it's just amazing to be able to to kind of experience history while it's happening you know Mm -hmm. it kind of would be like if you were studying English now to observe what's happening in the United States you know like the taking of the capital like all all this tension that (laughs) has been created for me, I'm, I'm experiencing this kind of thing with Russia um, and even before with some other things, you know, like Belarus was going through its own situation to an extent it is. And it's really nice to be able to partake in that. And uh, you're one with the language and you're one with history. So, I mean, it's really cool. Yeah, really cool. I agree. I definitely agree. You that's the thing like people are like what are you going to do with, with with this language it's like how can you how can you in the 30 seconds that you have to respond to that question start talking about how you have the opportunity to access another world and follow history through a authentic lens in the moment you know what i mean you just can't so incredible yeah incredible that, that's why i'm developing the quip what do you do with english <laughs> so i've been if I, I would say like my final piece to, or my final message to any, anyone that's considering learning a language that is learning a language is literally, it's a noble pursuit and you never know where it's going to take you. You know, you never know for me. It's just like, just, it, it's really so amazing. And the doors that can open for you that you didn't even know ever existed are there for the taking uh, for beautiful experiences to be had, you know? Like I, like to touch on what I said about Spanish, you know, I, I felt like I found myself as a, as a man, you know? I experienced love and, you know, development just in my thoughts and all kinds of things. And, um, you know, you, you start learning the language and you don't know where it can take you. Um, and it's a it's a wonderful journey yeah 
Well, thank thanks so much for coming on, Mark. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I've honestly, this has been a really interesting conversation. It's been lovely hearing about your experiences. Thank you I, so much. I, I, before before we completely wrap up, though, I do want to chat with you in Spanish for a little while, just for a bit of fun. Okay. So for for now, we'll we'll leave the English speaking audience behind. So to everyone who who doesn't speak Spanish and doesn't want to hang around for this this portion, then uh, thanks for listening, and we'll we'll I'll see you guys in the next episode. But uh, <laughs> ahora uh, en español. Bueno. <laughs> bueno, está bien. Um, pero como he dicho antes, creo que tu español va a ser mejor que el mío. Bueno, pues no hay problema, es natural. Es, Llevo es... mucho tiempo viviendo en México. Sí, sí. De verdad, pienso que el español mexicano probablemente es un español al cual al cual estoy un po poco acostumbrado mm, de verdad oh, qué bueno porque mi mi amiga con quien hago mi intercambio lingüístico mm -hmm. uh, es de México Ah, qué bueno. ¿De qué parte? Um, de piedras negras. Negras. Mm. Al lado de Texas. Ok. Hacia el norte, entonces. <risa> sí. Tal, pero al, al mismo tiempo, um, me, neces me necesita mucha práctica también uh -huh. con el español mexicano. Con el, pues bueno. Con el español en general, pero también con uh -huh. el español mexicano. Pues sería bueno. Um, es el dialecto más hablado de todo el mundo. Hispano, hispano blanco, digamos, porque pues la población de México pues es algo grande. Y aquí en Ciudad de México, pues es el lugar en el que se habla más español que en cualquier otra parte del mundo. O sea, Ciudad de México es una ciudad enorme. Um, entonces, el español de, de aquí se llama, pues, el chilango. La gente chilango. de Ciudad de México se llaman los chilangos. Y, pues, el dialecto de la ciudad, así se le dice, es chilango. Entonces, a mí me gusta mucho uh, ese, ese, ese español y pues bueno, yo creo que como cada país tiene lo suyo, pero aquí como pienso que es algo muy chido en español. Chido quiere decir no, padre, ¿Qué padre, quiere decir cool, que quiere decir genial, bueno, sí. o sea, las cosas que dicen acá son chiro, está chiro eso, qué padre, qué padre, son las dos como palabras más clásicas para decir cool, sí. y yo creo que el español mexicano por lo general es algo muy chiro, y el acento de acá y pues el español de México, de Ciudad de México, 
a mí me, a mí me fascina. Eh, es algo con mucho estilo, me gusta. Sí. Y en, en los Estados Unidos, la, la mayor, mayor, mayor parte, uh -huh. la mayor parte de hispanohablantes, ellos son mexicanos o no? ¿Sabes? Diría que sí, 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 sí. Um, uh, la mayoría sí, pero obviamente hay muchos cubanos, puertorriqueños, venezolanos, colombianos, pero a lo mejor sabes que una gran parte de Estados Unidos antes era México. Entonces mm -hmm. es natural que personas de descendencia mexicana pues viven allá, ¿no? Porque pues es su tierra a final de cuentas. <risa> Sí. Entonces sí, hay muchos como pues, mexicanos allá y pues... También al, su al sur, al sur, al sur, al sur del país es directamente al lado, entonces es normal que hay claro. mucha gente viendo de... Sí, México. o sea, toda esa parte antes era México. <ríe> entonces sí, con razón sí. hay de tantas verdad, personas de verdad, ahí sí. de... Uh -huh. Sí. Entonces es normal que mucha gente queda a, sí. allá. Sí, sí, sí. Eso sí. Entonces, ¿no, no haces nada hoy en día para practicar tu español o qué? Uh, no, no estudio de una manera activa, pero uh -huh. a veces hablo con mi amiga de México. A veces, bueno. cuando estoy en el autobús, uh -huh. uh, yendo de mi casa a cualquier lugar, um, normalmente en ese tiempo estoy escuchando un podcast en español o una cosa de como eso, pero no estudio de una ma manera activa. Sí, o sea, es, es impresionante, es impresionante la cantidad de países que hablan ese idioma. O sea, hasta en África hay un país que se habla español. ¿Qué país? ¿Qué, pa qué, qué país es? ¿Cuál um, país? No te recuerda. Sí. No um, es, um... es ecuatoriana, algo... Uh, es, uh, bueno en um, en África se dice como eso África um, se llama um, el país Guinea Ecuatorial sí sí <ríe> porque hay Guinea en África y también uh -huh. en Sudamérica. Mm. Hay los dos, sí. sí ah, okay. Okay. Creo que sí. O sea, sí, o sea, el español es algo muy, muy chido. En México, en Colombia, o sea, de en Venezuela, todas las partes de Argentina, to todos tienen su estilo. Sí. Y... Creo que. Así me encanta. El español es la la el idioma el tercer el tercero más hablado idioma en el mundo creo sí 
Um, más, más o menos depende de que hablas solamente de hablantes nativos o... En ese caso, el español sería en segundo lugar. Okay. Hay más nativos del español que pues hay uh, nativos del inglés. Entonces, sí. eso te dice algo. Sí, exactamente. Hay que aprender el español porque pues hay muchísimas personas que lo hablan. Sí, sabía, sabía eso cuando empecé a aprender el español. Es una de las razones por las cuales he empezó a empezado a aprenderlo. Es muy buena razón, o sea, porque ya hablamos inglés. Entonces, con el español leí que con esas esas dos lenguas se puede pues puedes comunicarte con muchas mucha gente como 80 por ciento del mundo o sea con esos dos idiomas sí es bastante y también ahora que aprendo el chino pues sí con eso como casi hablas con todo el mundo con todo el mundo sí mucha gente que es y eso es un es una razón o una razón sabes una razón una razón okay razón eso es una razón um, ah una grande grande razón por la cual estudio idiomas es porque me gusta hablar con personas otras pues personas sí. entonces es normal que estudio los idiomas que son más hablados muy, eh, son los idiomas más hablados en el, en el mundo pues tiene mucho sentido o sea para mí es la razón principal para aprender un idioma extranjero para poder hablar con la gente es lo máximo y pues no de cuentas no, sí. es, es lo que me gusta. Sí. El otro día era en un café uh, uh, comiendo y tomando un poco con un, una amiga y uh -huh. allá había uh, unos colombianos uh -huh. y al final uh, he terminado la noche allá hablando mm. con ellos oh, y uh -huh. uh, puedes ver que hablar un idioma te permite de hacer es haber esas tipos de experiencias ver a ¿Sí? ver a alguien un café hablando un otro idioma puedes puedes ir antro Tucirte, pues hablar un poco, conocer a gente. También había un jardinario, jardinario? alguien con mm. el eh, que alguien quien hace cosas en el jardín. Jardinero. <risa> jardinero, ok. Había un jardinero a, a la casa de mis abuelas, quien mm. era argentino. Ah. Y pues era hablando con, con él era el acento argentino es un poco raro pero 
Me, gust, me gusta. <risa> no, me, me gusta bastante ese acento. Y cuando, cuando escuchas los acentos de los demás que hablan en español, uh, todos saben que el español argentino como, es como tiene su propio estilo. Dicen que como, es como casi como si fueran italianos, la manera en la que hablan el español. Mm. Es como... Oh, da, 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 da. Um, tengo un amigo argentino de, pues, que vive acá y estuve con él el día de la Navidad y pues yo hablo español bastante bien, pero sabía que iba a tener problemas con pues, el acento argentino porque pues, cuando sí. hablo con él, pues... Me habla así una persona, nada más, solo él y yo. Y pues bueno, todo bien. Pero con una casa llena de argentinos fue como... <risa> fue sí. algo difícil. Completamente. Es la misma cosa con el acento de... Um... Quebec. Mm, el acento de Quebec. En, en francés, uh, para mí, la primera vez que antes uh, era diciendo que eh, me he elegido uh -huh. o he elegido de ir a asistir a esos, estas, esos eventos en línea, The Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, um, entonces, la primera vez que iba, no mm -hmm. entendí nada. <laughs> Porque era, era, era diciendo, va, no hay problemas, tu francés es bueno, tú haces uh, un buen nivel, entonces, y pues, cuando he ido, en las dos, los dos pre primer, primeros segundos, había un hombre me pregu preguntando uh -huh. uh, una cosa, y directamente no he entendido en, no he entendido lo que he di ha dicho sí uh -huh. entonces los acentos bueno. son difíciles <risa> pues bueno solo es una cuestión de práctica y acostumbrarte a acentos distintos exactamente ahora no no es un problema para mí <risa> Ahora soy acostumbrado a ese raro acento. Es un acento raro para mí, pero en general. Por ejemplo, si eh, eres una persona que he, creci he cre crecido allá, por ejemplo, es, uh -huh. es completamente normal, es normal, es el acento normal, pero para que alguien viendo de un otro país que no es hispanohablante a como como nativo uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, sí o quien habla 
francés, no necesariamente mm. hispanohablante. Ah, oh, ok. Pero bueno, pues sí. ahora <risa> no, uh, no me expli explico muy bueno. <risa> muy bien, pues bueno, está bien. Sí. So solo estás aprendiendo, todo bien, todo bien. Exactamente. Siempre, siempre mejorando. Así siempre. Tiene que ser. Ok. Pienso que ahora podemos terminar el podcast. Entonces, <risa> Está bien. gracias otra vez por yendo aquí. Uh, y por... Claro, fue un placer. Y a, a todos los oyentes, un muy gran gracias por, por haber escuchado. Oído. Exactamente. <laughs> Alrighty, dudes. That's it for today's podcast episode. Isn't Mark just a fantastic guy? I know that you are all dying to get more of his content, so make sure that you go check out Language Come Up on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll make sure to leave links to his uh, various social media platforms in the description of this podcast so you can go check him out. Uh, otherwise, uh, let me know what you thought of this podcast episode. Send me a tweet or something. You can find me on Twitter at Official Ace Buck. And uh, I'll leave a link to all of my socials in the podcast description as well. Alrighty, dudes. Catch you later. See you in the next one.